Good morning, everybody, and uh, welcome to Greater Alton Church. My name is Tim, and it's really good to see you all this morning here. We um, Last week, Gary opened up this series on Joseph, God Meant It for Good, and uh, the idea of how powerful stories are and the purpose of stories are, and, and I'm hoping that you'll be reading uh, during this series the story of Joseph more than once, looking and seeing what uh, God can reveal to you from this wonderful story. Um, there's a couple of passages I want us to see before we get into today's lesson. We're going to be looking at setbacks today, part one. Uh, here's a passage in Romans 15 here up on the screen. Notice it says, Whatever was written beforehand is meant to instruct us in how to live. We find that the stories in the Old Testament are practical. They really are. They are practical stories. They're meant to show us how to live. It says, The Scriptures impart to us encouragement and inspiration so that we can live in hope and endure all things. So these stories that we're looking at, this story here we're looking at in particular, it was written to encourage you and I. It, it's the stories in the Bible that shape our expectations, what we can expect from God, how He works, what matters to Him. And they encourage us to keep trusting, to keep obeying. Notice it says here in 1 Corinthians 10, the things that happen to those people are examples. He's referring to those in the Old Testament, Paul is, to the church of Corinthians. Uh, the church at Corinth, to believers, they were written to be warnings for us. So sometimes these stories are going to warn us. They're going to, to show us some things that are very important. It says, we live in the time, this is important here, we live in the time that all those past histories were pointing to. So they were written for this, for today, for, for now, for what, how to live on this earth as a Christian, as a believer. They're, they were written primarily to help us understand the story of Jesus. And that's very important. They were written to show us what Jesus was about. See, all the stories of the Old Testament, when you read them, they're, they're, yes, they are to help benefit. You might say, well, they benefit me. Well, and the way it benefits you is not just to be a better person, but to understand who Jesus really is. I listened to somebody this morning say, if we really knew who Jesus was, we'd have no trouble talking about him. And I think uh, Eli kind of mentions that. The idea that we're to proclaim his death until he comes again. And if, if Jesus, you find out really how important Jesus is by how much he comes up in your conversation. You know, I, I'm on a sugar thing right now. So you're going to hear me talking about sugar a lot. How many grams of sugar are in the McDonald's donut sticks? Oh, tragic to see them go. But my body was glad. You know, I've, I, I haven't, I've had only a couple of sodas. I could talk to you in the last nine weeks. I didn't have any sodas on my vacation. Surprising, isn't it? Yeah, I count the, the grams of sugar in a teaspoon. There's only four grams of sugar in a teaspoon of, table, of, of sugar. Did you know that? Four grams. I thought there was 20 grams, you know. And when I eat one M&M, that's one gram of sugar. Could I go on? Oh, of course, I could go on. There's 18 grams in a Pop-Tart of sugar. Blah, 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 blah. My family got tired of hearing it. You know when you're talking about it too much, when the grandkids say, Granddad, Grandpa, enough with the sugar. Let's play a game that doesn't involve that. So what we talk about is on our mind the most, and I've been talking about sugar quite a bit here in the last several weeks. But I got to thinking, do I talk about Jesus? What helps me talk about Jesus is knowing these stories. Because they point to, really, what Jesus Christ is all about. In fact, he said that one time. He said, you guys study the scriptures and think that you're going to, that you're going to find salvation in them. They talk about me, yet you refuse to come to me. because you. How can you read all these stories about me that don't mention me by name, but mention me anyway, 
that speak of me and really not know me. It's impossible. So there's this big story that, that's, that's like a big umbrella, a canopy over all the stories of the Old Testament. And Joseph, see, is one of the stories here that we see that encourages us to obey, to trust God, especially when you're experiencing some setbacks. Have you noticed that sometimes being a Christian can be pretty disappointing? Yes. That just because you're a Christian, you're not insulated from something bad happening to you? Have you noticed that? You know, I, I thought when I became a Christian, I come out of the water, man, I'm clean, and now I'm protected. They talk about the hedge of protection of God. They talk about the power of God. The Holy Spirit's inside me. I'm got, nothing bad's going to happen to me. And within 24 hours, it was already happening. My family was already rejecting me because I took a stand on Christ. We were talking about this in the teacher's area this morning, the idea that, you know, bad things happen enough while you're going with the grain. What happens when you go against the grain? And it's, it gets worse. Sometimes being a Christian can be very tough because of setbacks. And following God can do that. Joseph is one of those people we learn this from. He's one of the 12 sons of Jacob. We know that. We also know that he liked to dream. In fact, God gave him two dreams and he loved talking about them. And nobody else wanted to hear him at the dinner table. He was not popular in his family, except with his dad. And he was hated, in fact, by his brothers, by his siblings. And at the age of 17, everything goes really sideways for Joseph. And for 13 years, he has one thing happen after another. What's that? Remember old hee-haw? If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Oh! Yeah. And it seemed like that... Joseph would go from the frying pan to the fire many times in these 13 years. And yet after 13 years, things would take another turn. And he would end up being the second most powerful person in Egypt. And he would save his family. And that's the key. What happened to Joseph turned out to save other people. What happened to Jesus turned out to save other people. And what happens to you it's designed to save people. So today I just want to talk about setbacks. Uh, you know, uh, when you take a week off of preaching or two weeks off of preaching, you tend to go long. So I tried to make this short. So I've only got seven points, so we're good. <laughs> sorry. No, I'm not sorry. Now, why you know, we see this in Joseph, that setbacks are just a big part of his life. And if you stop and think about it, they're a big part of your life too, part of my life. We have them happen all the time. Something doesn't go as we planned. I mean, you, 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 uh, you're single and you're going to get married and you have all these plans and it doesn't go as like you planned. Why? Because there's another person with a plan. And then you have some of these kids and they got plans too to disrupt your plan. And they do a great job of it. And so it, 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 what you plan on doing, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, when I'm age this age, I'm going to be this. It never turns out like you think it's going to turn out. Joseph has this dream. And, he, and, and this dream basically is about him being serving or everybody else serving him and him rising up to this power. But he doesn't realize all the details between that and the fulfillment of that dream are going to be all over the road. Setbacks. Disappointments. 
Why are setbacks so difficult to handle? You're going through a setback right now. And maybe, you, maybe you're going through something that's difficult that's lasted a number of years. Why is it so difficult? I can tell you why it's difficult for me. I don't see the outcome. I can't see how it's going to end up. And I worry about it. I, I, I'm afraid of what's going to happen. So I have this fear, this unsettled nature. And Joseph sees, shows you and I, he shows me, and shows you how God can use my bad experiences now for good. And it happens, and catch it, it happens when I trust Him. This story is not just about a guy that everything's going wrong. It's about trusting God when things don't go your way. That's what it's about. And so I hope you'll read Genesis 37-50, through 50, and you'll read it more than once, because you're going to notice, as you read about Joseph, Things just don't seem to work out for him very very much. Uh, there's lots and lots of setbacks. And that's what I want to look at is these seven examples. And maybe you can identify with one of them or more of them this morning. So let's look at them. What are the seven setbacks Joseph faces? Well, number one, setback number one, growing up ignored and mistreated by my family. You've got to admit, you didn't choose your family. I didn't choose mine. Because if I'd have chose my family, it would have been different. Anybody else like that? If you got, if you'd have got to choose, yeah. You know, there's some things about your childhood, there's things about my childhood. I just got really excited about thinking about and remembering. And when we have, you know, some kind of a of a lesson series on this, or we uh, that talk about this, or we get in a group, we talk about our childhood. I'm not crazy about talking about everything because it just sometimes can be very unpleasant. And one of the things about uh, about Joseph. He is growing up in a family that mistreats him and even ignores him. Um, you got to admit, Joseph grew up in a very colorful family. Very blended. I know some of you here have blended families. And I know I, I watch, I don't have to read a book anymore. I've watched it over the years. How difficult and the unique challenges let alone of just a, I want to say normal family, but I don't think there's such thing as a normal family. But, but family in general, but a blended family on top of that. And, 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 he, and Joseph doesn't have two different moms or, you know, he has four moms. And all of his siblings are connected in some way. Michael will remember this when we went to James's wedding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Remember that? The photographer goes, okay, we want all the moms to come up. And here come all these moms. And, and someone goes, wait, what, huh? And Michael goes, let me explain. That one raised him. That one's the natural one. That one's the adopt, adopted him. It was just a little bit nutty. And you could see the photographer already knew he was in a mess. How does he do this? I see this more often in weddings. Do you see it too? Lots of blended families. More and more kids are growing up in these kinds of families. And Joseph, his blended family, had all the drama of, of any blended family on steroids. Think of the competing and the comparing that was going on. And then to top it all off, the Bible says that Jacob, the dad, decides to make a, a, give a present to one of his sons that he loves. And parents, I know we're not supposed to talk about this. And we say we don't have favorites. I'm not going to say anymore. 
Am I right? You know, we try not to show favoritism, but we tend to lean one way or another. There's been times in my life where I've leaned hard toward one son over the other, and my wife goes, you're leaning too much one way. You've got to make it even. And as hard as we try, parents, you know, and maybe we don't even, oh, no, I love all my kids the same. Ask your children that. They see the differences. Oh, yeah, you could play it safe for a while during Christmas and buy everybody identical presents. But after a while, you know, the daughter doesn't want to tonk a truck, okay? I mean, you got to think. She wants, she wants the fancy, you know. Yeah, just imagine, here's, here's, and here he is. Here's old, uh, Jacob going, okay, I'm going to give, I'm going to give you, Joseph, we're not picking something up from Walmart on the clearance rack. We're getting something nicer. It's almost like I heard somebody say it this way. You give all the other kids etch-a-skits, but you give your favorite one an iPad. It just isn't right. And he has this coat. And, and they say, well, it's of many colors, as one, trans- one translation might say. Well, we're not sure how many. We're not, no one's really sure if it's really colorful. It's got some color in it, but it might have some ornaments in it, some bling going on, maybe some tassels. It's long-sleeved. It's not a servant's coat. It's a coat of prominence. It's a coat that's definitely got the attention of all the other brothers. And what? how do they feel about it? They can't stand Joseph because of this coat. They can't stand him because when he opens his mouth and talks about his dreams, they don't like it. Look what the Bible says here in Genesis 37. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. I think one translation said they wouldn't even speak to him. One night Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. And, and you'd think, okay, they don't like the dream about all the sheaves bowing to, to him. And so he has another one where he's the sun and all the stars and everything bows. And he, he brings up another dream, the nerve of this kid. He's 17. Just imagine all this, the jealousy, the drama. And maybe you've had a tough time growing up in your family. Maybe you've had a tough time where there's been times where you felt neglected. I go to church camp, folks, and I'll tell you something I noticed. I noticed the rich kids and the poor kids all at church camp. Here come the rich kids with their logos, trademarks. Here comes the poor kids. And some of them you can tell they haven't been fed very well. And here, maybe, I grew up in a home where my mother, she apologizes constantly for it. She gave us a babysitter one time. She was nuts. And I did. I felt neglected. Maybe you've been teased by your siblings, criticized to death, abused physically, sexually, verbally abused. I know some of you here talk about your childhood getting slapped around, beat up, punched by your parents. It's as quiet right now as it was at church camp when Bob Quick was talking to these children. Because we all can identify with this, can't we? We get neglected. We get rejected. There's alcohol in the house. There's drugs in the house. I grew up in a house with alcohol. It wasn't fun. And, and, and then maybe something happens and, and you folks get divorced. And now you're going back and forth and you're shuttling back and forth. And you think to yourself, maybe you thought this. I did when I was a child. 
up, Danny and I would sit upstairs and listen to mom and dad fighting and stuff getting broken and punches flying, cussing. It was awful. And I'd say, I can't wait to get out of this hell hole. I just can't wait. We'd think of ways. One time we thought of ways to get rid of our dad. I don't know what childhood you had, but sometimes a setback can be that. And see, and here's the thing I want us to understand. These things shape us. Don't they? They shape us. They, they guard us in certain ways. They make us aggressive in certain ways, good and bad. And I'm here to tell you this morning, I don't know what your child is like. Some of you had great parents. You didn't have an issue. Praise God. I'm happy for you. And, and the rest of us are, you know, we're, we're glad. But, but the rest of us that didn't have this, you know, we can see where God could use you, but it's hard for to see that God could use someone like us from a family of, you know, a real messed up family. Yet God can. And God wants to use every hurt, every heartache. He wants to use even your pain. And those setbacks, they'll, they'll, we experience those. And sometimes maybe even as an adult, and still have it going on with as we're older, it'll, it'll make us, it, it, sets, it, it makes us cautious makes us afraid and we can't get much out of life like that number two the setback number two rejection just rejection everybody here has experienced rejection am I right somewhere or another either at home on the school ground in the workplace in your church rejection when Joseph's brothers saw it, says here, saw him coming, they recognized him in a distance. He had that coat on. The way his gait was a certain way. Maybe he had a little swagger because when you have long sleeves and you've got the coat, uh, you know, the, the coat that stands out, you're being groomed to take over the family someday. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said. They didn't say his name. That dreamer. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father, a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. But Reuben speaks up. Reuben the oldest. He said he heard of their scheme. He came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him, he said. Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into the empty cistern here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without our laying a hand on him. Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing and they grabbed him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. His brothers are sickened by at his sight. They grab him, they rip up his coat, they throw him down in the cistern and they're, they're thinking, oh good, he'll now experience a slow death. Rejection? Absolutely. I don't know of anything more demeaning than rejection. And there's plenty of rejection going around in our lives. We're rejected basically because of our appearance, our weight, our height, our hair color. We're rejected by the way we talk, our gender, our views, or maybe a habit or two. People toss us aside. They don't want to have anything to do with us. They turn their heads. Their eyes dart. They're not as excited to see you as they see someone else. 
Maybe maybe uh, we're rejected because we have this habit that we're really trying to deal with, but it's hard to break. Or there's something in our past, and we would love to forget it, but we can't. And some of our friends won't either. And so we're rejected. I'm sorry if that's happened to you. That's happening to you. It hurts, especially when they're your Christian family or, or your, your family in general or a close friend. And then they start, they just reject you and will have nothing to do with you. They treat you differently. Joseph was going through this a very tough time. It's a, it's a setback. When you feel rejected, I mean, think about it. How do you feel when you feel rejected? You feel worthless. Like, what am I here? What am I doing here? Well, if that's the way you really feel. And Joseph's experiencing this. He's thinking these kinds of thoughts too. He understands rejection. Setback number three, I'm sold out for money. My dad used to say, money makes people funny, Tim. I never knew what he meant until I got some. Then I began to see. Greed is very powerful. The desire of greed is very powerful. And maybe you've been sold out before over money. Look what what they do to Joseph. While Joseph was in the well, his brothers sat down to eat. They looked up and saw a group of traders traveling from Gilead to Egypt. Their camels were carrying many different spices and riches. So Judah said to his brothers, What profit will we get if we kill our brother and hide his death? We'll profit more if we sell him to these traders. Then, then we'll not be guilty of killing our own brother. The other brothers agreed. When the Midianite traders came by, the brothers took Joseph out of the well and sold him to the traders for 20 pieces of silver. The traders took him to Egypt. As Joseph sits there helpless at the bottom of this pit, just imagine a rope appears. And now he's probably thinking, man, it's starting to turn around for me now. You know, maybe they've, maybe they've, they've, they've heard his cries, by the way. They, they talk about that later. We could hear him crying. And maybe they hear, hear, don't do this, don't, and they finally softened up and, and here comes the road. Things are going to let up, but guess what? It's just a setup for another let down, folks. They bring him up out of that pit and they sell him. And they don't sell him for a lot of money. 30 pieces of silver is for, for a slave. Well, Joseph's only 17. And he doesn't even, he's not even worth 20 or 30 shekels. He's only sold for 20. You know, maybe for you, there's been times things are looking really good. Work's going well. Things seem to be just plodding along. And then something crazy happens. Something in the economy or something at where you work or some uh, maybe a transaction with somebody that goes sideways. We get blindsided by greed. We took advantage of. For a few bucks, we're thrown under the bus. For a few bucks, we're let go. But we really, it was only an excuse to get rid of us. It really wasn't because, you know, they were really hurt financially. Things are restructured. I lose, I lose stuff. I buy something and, and, and this person knows it's, I got, I got betrayed because they want a little money in their pocket and I feel cheap. I feel cheated. I feel this isn't fair. But folks, it happens all the time. 
Maybe that's happened to you. Maybe over money, maybe maybe something in family or something at work over money didn't go your way on purpose. And you know it's about the money. It's not about you and it's not about something else. It's about that. And you feel betrayed by it. Joseph understands that. Here's setback number four. Losing my identity. I lose my identity. Boy, Joseph goes through the ringer here. No, as he, he's hated and rejected and sold as a, I don't know, 20, sold off cheap. It says, then, then they got Joseph's robe, it says the brothers did, slaughtered the goat and dipped the robe in the blood. They took the ornate robe back to their father and said, we found this. Examine to see whether it's your son's robe. They're not even going to say it's his brother Joseph. Is this your son's robe? He recognized it and said, it is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son many days. All the sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I'll continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. So his father wept for him. Here's Joseph. He has his father's favor. He's a part of a big family. He's got a future. And all that is now gone. Now he has he's property. He's property. He's... He's, a, he's in a country he's never been in with people he's never been around that don't know him. His, his brothers have concocted this idea of basically erasing him from their family history in some way. He won't, have, won't have to talk about Joseph anymore because he's nowhere to be found. It's like he doesn't exist anymore. I can just imagine Joseph sitting there thinking, will I ever be remembered? And that's a common question you ask. When you lose your identity. Will anybody remember what I've done? I sit back here behind a partition while you're all singing, going, Lord, what am I doing? Is it making any difference? What am I, what do you, is this what you want me to do? Is this what you want me to be? Why are you talking like that, Tim? Because as I get older, I'm getting closer to retirement. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you're in retirement. And what I'm learning about retirement as I read about it and as I talk about to people about it is it drastically changes your life. Because a lot of times we, we say things like this, my name's Tim and I'm the, or I do this. And when you're retired, you say, I'm retired. And it's different. A lot of people when they retire don't know, they plan really, they planned financially, but not what to do after they retire. I heard a guy say one time, he said, well, you only get about 15 Christmases and that's about it. Have I depressed you enough yet? 15 Christmases? Are you, what are you kidding? Yeah, about 15 Christmases. I hear people retire and they die two weeks later or a month later or a year later. They just sit around. They don't know what to do with their life. Because their, their occupation, you see, has been a part of their identity for so long. Alan asked me one time at Frank's, what do you, you ever feel like maybe, you know, if you don't preach, you kind of don't know who, kind of figure out who you are? And I'm going, oh no, I have no problem with that. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. The more I thought about it, the more I went, yeah, when I take a break, kind of weird. It is, it's strange. You get used to doing certain things. 
And so, so sometimes our identity gets lost when we retire. Sometimes a divorce will do that. I've watched couples, both men and women, go, what do I do now? Who am I now? He was the breadwinner. What do I do now? She took care of everything. What do I do now? And they're lost. They get lost. Your spouse dies. I've watched this up front. And some of you have seen this. We have members of this church have lost their spouses. And I've watched them dealing with their loss. But also, what do I do now? It opens up a new chapter. There's no doubt about it. But sometimes I like the chapter I'm in. You that way? I don't want to start a new chapter. But it's there. And we struggle with it. We go through a bankruptcy. My business fails. I'm fired. My age. My age. When I was a kid. I'm an old man now. You know, I've, I realized I'm starting to get concerned about how people treat senior citizens. You know why? Because I are one. That's why. I'm starting to notice it. But I also notice how we treat children that are younger than us. Us old goats sometimes, we're just barking. And they're looking for their identity. We're, we're looking for ours. They lose theirs. They go through the stage of life like we've had. But there's something in front of us. And it's it, it, just the age. Just an age difference. Or we get sick. I remember Stephanie constantly talking about that. She was so I can't do anything, Tim. I can't do what I used to do. What do I do now? And we start thinking, am I useful anymore? Does the church need me here anymore? Does my family really need me anymore? Joseph loses. He's had his identity taken from him. This prominent son, this guy that's living in prominence is now in the pits. And no longer, he is... Prisoner number blah, 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 blah. Slave number blah, 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 blah. He's no longer Joseph, the son of Jacob. That tells me something, folks. This tells me something. Where you and I get our identity matters. Because I believe Joseph, though I can't prove it till the very end of the story, Joseph's identity he got from his father in heaven. That's where he really got it. He learned his identity really rested with how his creator felt about him. And so it may not, it may be today, you know, today you're going through something. I, I'm gone, I'm going through my stuff too. And we may not ask yourself, who am I? But maybe who am I now? What do I do now? Because your setbacks giving you a gut check on your identity. Here's a setback. I'm forced to take on a role I don't want. You ever took a job you didn't like? You ever had to do a job you didn't want to do? I heard some of you chuckle. I know, you, you, you know, man, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't want to do this. But you have no choice. You have no control. You know, one day, Joseph's on his way to his brothers to report back. He's kind of like a supervisor. I'm going to report back to my dad. But you know what? That all changes. He's got the code, he's got the bling, he's got all going for him, but that all changed in a matter of moments. And he's went from, from b- having this prominent position in life to the pits. It says here, Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, 
one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. That literally means the captain, the guy in charge of executions. He's went from a loving father who just gives him all, man, you're the best. Now he's slaving and a slave and serving a guy who's in charge of killing people. He kills people on a regular basis. Doesn't sound like fun. You know, sometimes while you're going through life and you're climbing this ladder of success, you might have to go a few rungs down before it ever goes back up. You lose a title. You lose a responsibility. Somebody else is going to take that. You're going to do this now. But I don't want to do that. Well, this is what you're going to do. But I like that. I lose a perk. Now I'm positioned over here. I'm forced to settle for less, maybe less money. And you might, you might say to yourself, this isn't fair. This just isn't fair. You're right. It isn't fair. It's life. And life isn't fair. It's the way it is. You know what Joseph does with all this stuff happening to him? I notice he just keeps plodding along. He keeps working, keeps doing the right thing. Because the things that are happening to Joseph, he isn't bringing on himself. They're happening to him from another source. It's as if he, he, he blooms where he's planted. He makes the best of where he is. And one of the things I notice here that was, that was brought out to me was this. He makes meaningless tasks meaningful because he honors God with them. He's honoring God is what's more important to him. You see, um, again, the setbacks may not... You say, well, I don't like setbacks. Well, I don't like them either. But it's not really about benefiting me now. It's about learning to live a life that pleases God. And you see this, you see this over and over again, that, that Joseph brings his integrity, he brings the Lord into the picture uh, under all these setbacks. And he's, even when he's forced to do something he doesn't like to do, he does it to honor God. Setback number six. It's being punished for doing the right thing. Ever happened to you? You did the right thing, but it doesn't work out? I told the truth. I, I worked hard. I'm doing the work. I, I've been a person. I've been a stand-up person. I've not cheated anybody. How come this crap is happening to me? Joseph's been a stand-up guy. Everywhere he goes. Notice it says, So Potiphar allowed Joseph to take responsibility for everything in the house. Potiphar didn't have to worry about anything except deciding what to eat. Now Joseph was very handsome and good-looking man. I mean, his, his mother was a knockout. Rachel was beautiful. So you could expect, that, you know, he's going to be a good-looking man. After some time... The wife of Joseph's master began to pay special attention to him. One day she said to him, sleep with me. But Joseph refused. He said, my master trusts me with everything in his house. He's given me responsibility for everything here. My master has made me almost equal to him in this house. He cannot sleep with his wife. That is wrong. It's a sin against God. The woman talked with Joseph every day, but he refused to sleep with her. One day Joseph went into the house to do his work. When he was the only man in the house at the time, his master's wife grabbed his coat. Boy, those coats are getting him in trouble, folks. Grabbed his coat 
and said to him, Come to bed with me. But Joseph ran out of the house so fast that he left his coat in her hand. The woman saw that Joseph had left his coat in her hand and had run out of the house. She called to the men outside and said, Look, the Hebrew slave was brought here to make fun of us. He came and tried to attack me, but I screamed. My scream scared him, and he ran away. But he left his coat with me. Then she kept his coat until her husband, Joseph's master, came home. She told her husband the same story. This is the head of the executioners, folks. She said, the Hebrew slave you brought here tried to attack me. But when he came near me, I screamed. He ran away, but he left his coat. Joseph's master listened to his wife, and he became very angry. So Potiphar put Joseph into the prison where the king's enemies were held, and that is where Joseph remained. Joseph's a good guy. He's doing the right thing, and God blesses him. People notice that about him, that God seems to bless him in everything he does. That's a good thing to be noticed about, huh? He's blessed about it. He's blessed, and Potiphar notices that, puts him in charge. And his wife, who a lot of people believe this, that because he's an Egyptian, a high official, he's probably got a trophy wife as well. And Egyptian women were beautiful. So she's a gorgeous woman. And so she's, she's hitting on Joseph, and Joseph, being a good-looking man, is refusing. Not like that today, is it? Seems like it's the other way around. Just think about that for a minute. A lot of people think the Bible's hard on women. The Bible's not hard on women. God loves women. When we read a story like this, sometimes people will say, oh, look, it's down on a woman here. This woman's a bad woman. Read Proverbs 31, you read all about a good woman. This is a bad woman. And she's testing Joseph. And think about this. Fellas, think about this. Joseph isn't getting what he wants. He's getting disappointed again and again and again and again. I don't know about you, but when, when, when you're disappointed, it can set you up for some disobedience. You think about that for a minute. My wife isn't doing something for me, isn't do, being the kind of woman she needs to be, so I think I'm going to look somewhere else and feel justified in it. You know, God, you fail it. You're failing me. And I feel justified. I feel I deserve this. Or ladies, my husband doesn't respect me. My husband doesn't treat me very kindly. I'll just find it elsewhere. I'll find it in some other guy or another novel or on the internet as well. Is that what we do when we're disappointed, when God disappoints us? I'll tell you what, it's very strong. That temptation is very strong. If I was Joseph, I'm going to tell you, I wish I could say, man, if I was Joseph, you know, I, I would have said no too. Oh yeah, I don't know. When you feel like God's disappointed you or God's not being there for you, you just kind of feel like, well, fine, God, if, you, if I'm not important enough, then you're not important enough for me. I'm going to do my own thing. What are you doing because you're disappointed? You know what Joseph does? He keeps trusting God. He keeps obeying God. He keeps honoring God. Though it's disappointing. I mean, he's been shafted over and over again. And then when he does the right thing, what happens? She lies about him. Again, am I insulated from bad stuff simply because I'm a believer? No. The Bible says this up here on the screen. Anyone who belongs to Christ Jesus and wants to live, live right will have trouble from others. It's promised. So you can do the right thing and still be wronged. 
You can do the right thing and still be lied about. You can be gossiped about. You can be rejected. You can be hurt. Just like Jesus. That's what this story is showing us. And Jesus, here He comes, and just as soon as He's born, He's experiencing rejection. And where does He end up for a while? In Egypt. And as He teaches, what's He get? He gets resistance and guff and criticism, and they lie about Him. He's a drunk. He's a glutton. Not true. Not true. And they kill Him. I was telling the the teachers, I said, you know, I, I used to say, well, if I lived during the time of Jesus, I wouldn't have crucified Him. You want to bet? And Jesus is doing the right, he's doing, he does the right thing. Joseph is doing the right thing. And what happens? He gets lied about. He gets clobbered over it. I don't know about you, but when, when I'm doing the right thing, I'm doing the work, I'm being faithful, I'm reading my Bible every day for crying out loud, Lord, I pray all the time. And this is happening to me, I feel shafted. I must be the only one. And you start thinking, maybe I'm just not, maybe this God stuff isn't, I, I, I might start acting like we could pick on God a little bit here. And yet God has always been there, is always involved in this. He's done something. See, it's not, I'm so caught up in my story, I forget about his story, what he's really up to. And so Joseph runs, he gets thrown in prison. And now he's starting, it seems like he's starting all over, and here he is, and, and all of a sudden, things start to turn around, and a couple of fellas, you know, a, a cupbearer and a baker happen to be in prison, and they have a dream. And one of them has this dream that these birds are eating bread off the top of his head. Oh, that's nice. You ever fed birds, you know, and they come to you? Oh, that's nice. And then you got a cupbearer going, well, I'm, I, he has a dream. It sounds like he's going to be serving Pharaoh again, and Joseph... It, they find out he interprets the dreams. Hey, Joseph, would you interpret the dreams? I don't know about you, but I'd be going, I think I'm going to take a pass. Seems like every time a dream gets involved, I get in trouble. But he goes, okay, tell me your dream. Baker tells the dream, oh, that means you're dead in three days, buddy. They're going, he's going, you're dead. I don't know if I like telling these dreams, man. You're kidding me. He, I, I imagine the guff he got there, but Cupberry says, you're going to serve Pharaoh again. And then he says these words, which shows you Joseph is still dealing with stuff because he's dealing with this seventh setback and that is I'm forgotten by those I've helped it says but he says when all goes well with you he tells the cupbearer remember me and show me kindness mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison I was forcefully forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon sounds like Andy Dufresne from Shawshank Redemption I didn't kill her. Oh, you're the only innocent person in Shawshank. How about you, Haywood? Ah, uh, the lawyer, you know, he did it to me. And what do we find out? Andy Dufresne was innocent. And what do we know about Joseph? He is innocent. And notice he's still, he's trying to get out of prison. And he's saying, hey, remember me. And what's a cupbearer do? The Bible says the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph and forgot him. For two years. Two years he forgot him. You know, serving God, I believe, is rewarding. It really is. To help someone, to show Jesus to someone, to study the Bible to somebody, to see a baptism, these are really exciting things to, to experience. To watch the gospel work, the grace of God change lives, and, you, and God lets you be a part of it, and you're, you're in there serving, and you're sacrificing, 
it's a wonderful, wonderful experience. But I gotta tell you, though it's not about my, about me, though it should never be about me and it should never be about you, it hurts when people forget what you've done for them. Here, I'll do it with you. <laughs> it's awful quiet because you know what I'm talking about. Some of you here serve, some of you ex-leaders have busted yourselves for years for people and they've forgotten you. They're not grateful. And you find yourself, what's it do to you? What's this setback do to you? I'm done leading. I'm done with this. I'll just sit like everybody else. I'll let somebody serve me for a change. Let's be honest, okay? I know some of you here, you have busted yourselves. You have helped so many people. You think, well, they ever, they, they don't even go to church anymore. Do they remember you? I got news for you. They've forgotten you. Maybe they'll remember you, maybe not. And it hurts. They take advantage of you sometimes. And sometimes these people you've helped even take the credit. Hello. Nobody else feels like this. Am I venting this morning? Maybe a little. Yeah, you feel that way. We feel that way sometimes. Even though it's not about us, we make it about us. And we see people that are, we notice how selfish they are and how they'll even gripe. Is this all you're going to do for me? They'll even gripe about it. The nerve. And when you need help, when you're needing help, now it's your turn to get some help. They're too busy caught up in their stuff. You helped them get out of it. Well, God used me. Yeah, but you know, remember, you know, it's true. God used you. You were an agent in that, a tool in that. And it hurts when tools are abused. I'm sorry that happens. I don't think you can avoid it. And I know sometimes when we have this setback, we want to go, man, I'm done. I'm not helping anybody anymore. I'm going to take care of my family or my own. And I'm not getting involved anymore. Last time I did, I got burned. I got hurt. And I'm going to tell you is that Jesus Christ could say that about you. Because He died for the killers and the betrayers and the forgetters. I'm one of them. You're one of them. I got a picture up here I want to show you. Um, this was sent to my brother-in-law by one of his daughters. He is a dock hand. Uh, works for uh, an oil refinery. He's been there for 30 years. And he, was show, he goes, I want to show you something, Tim. And this is a picture he got from one of his daughters, his oldest daughter. Not all dads wear suits to work. Thank God for the hard-working dads out there. And he just starts bawling. That's what my daughter sent me. So she knows. I didn't know if she, you know, I'm a dock hand. I unload barges of crude oil. I'm not a doctor. I'm not, you know, I'm not a big shot. I'm just, I work on a dock. And he's, he's so proud of that. He had to show it to me. I read on Facebook. I, by the way, I, I'm getting on Facebook some. If you notice me on Facebook, ignore me. A lot of people have. And anyway. <laughs> But uh, I'm on Facebook Marketplace. That's where I'm, I've, I discovered it. I'm sorry. It's, it's a sin. Anyway, 
um, I'm on Facebook and I catch a, a line from some from a teenager, a former teenager. It's uh, I think it was Jen Chestnut who wrote a note to Danny. It was something of the effect of, you know, I know you come home um, after putting in glass all day and you're tired, but you'd get right back out and you would come pick us up or you'd do stuff with us. And, and Jen and Danny have this special relationship, you see. And I really admired I thought that was so cool, Danny. You got something like that. And I thought to myself, how rare, how really rare it is. I'm not saying we ought to go gushing over each other after church now, okay? But I do think we should gush over each other after church a little bit, okay? <laughs> you know, because, because, you know, sometimes you, you, you're doing something for somebody. They don't even notice it. And Joseph's like, please don't forgive me. Please don't forget me. And like, I want out of here. I want out of here now. And you know, okay, don't you worry. You and me, man, we're good. We're tight. And he forgets. And then one day, the cupbearer goes, oh my goodness, I forgot something. It just came to me. I, I know where I left the car keys, you know, two years ago. Two years ago, Pharaoh's going, yeah, there's this guy, you, your dream reminded me, he interpreted my dream, and well, we won't go there, but you remember that? Yeah, I'm, okay, I'm back. And, well, he's, he can interpret your dream. Pharaoh had this crazy dream too. And I can just imagine Joseph, you know, you know, I think Joseph gave up. Hey, Joseph, you're, they want, Pharaoh wants to see you. For what? You got a dream. Something about a cupbearer. Wow. Why did it take so long? Why do I have to wait? Why do I have to wait? You know, maybe, maybe Joe, I don't know, there's something there when he says, get me out of this place. Maybe Joseph's still trying to pull some strings. And, and God wants Joseph to know, you don't have any control, so quit trying to take control. Just let me work. It'll work out. How long you've been going through your setback? Joseph had been going 13 years of it. I'm beginning to understand. I'm going through some years of setbacks. I don't like them. I hate them. I'm going to be honest with you. I just don't like it. I'm praying back there. God, when are you going to do this? When are you going to turn this around? When are you going to make this happen? Are you waiting for me? And I can just hear God saying... Yes, I am, Tim. I'm waiting for you to calm down and trust me. Because you keep thinking, if you do it, then I'll work. Well, you do do something, Tim. It's called waiting and trusting me and continuing to do the right thing. Even when it doesn't look like it's working out, and continue to trust me, even when it doesn't make any sense. You know, Joseph would be out of prison. He'd get another coat, third coat. This one must have been the bling of all bling coats, man. Egyptian. It was the thing. He's second in command. He takes care of all of Egypt. And then here comes his brothers. If you remember the story, here comes his brothers. And he kind of has fun with them. He tries to act, you know, he doesn't have to disguise himself because he's got all this Egyptian. He looks like Lady Gaga, you know, when she's full blown. 
He's got it going. And he's just sitting there going, well, blah, 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 blah. And they're talking in Hebrew and he can understand every word. That's what's fun. You know, when you can understand. Matthew used to play soccer and there would be some guys from Mexico playing, talking to each other. And he knew exactly when they were going to pass. He cut it off and he said he overheard one of them say, I think he understands Spanish. <laughs> we're in trouble. <laughs> you know, and so there's, there's old, he just sitting there going to law, eating it up, going, yeah, blah, 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 blah. And then finally he says, look, it's me. And they're going, who? It's me. It's Joseph. Look close. They're going, oh no, we're dead meat. No, no, you're not dead meat. Don't you understand all this happened? You meant it for bad, but God meant it for good. It was to save lives that He did this. He did this to save your life, my life. He produced something good from it. You need to remember that when you're going through your setback today, when you're thinking about your setbacks, that God can produce something good from it. Look at this other passage in Proverbs. We should make plans, counting on God to direct us. He says, trust God to direct you. Make your plans, but count on God. Trust God. Give your plans to God. And in John 16, Jesus said this, Here on earth you'll have many trials and sorrows. I hate that part of the verse. Look what it says there. Oh, Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart. But take heart. What's that mean, take heart? Have courage. You see, when I go through sorrows and trials, I get scared and frightened, and I begin to doubt God. I begin to worry. I begin to fret. I begin to shrink back. And he says, don't do that. Be courageous. Trust. Trust me. Trust me. Keep trusting me. Why? Because I've overcome the world. I've overcome your setback. Yeah, that happened in your family. Yes, you had that happen at work. Yes, you had that happen in your church. Yes, you were burned by that person. Yes, you've forgotten. But all that I'm going to use to do what? To benefit me? I'm going to benefit others from that, Tim. I'm going to save other people through the stuff you've went through. I want to use it to save others. Don't just make it about you. Make it about everybody else too. How do I do that? Next week, that's what I want to talk about. What did Joseph do? What are some things I can count on? That's why I want you to read this story again this week. Look at it closely. See what you can find in this, in this story of a guy who God meant for good. He used him. He used his story to tell his story and change lives. What are you going to do with your setbacks? I'm asking you this morning. What will you do with them? What will you choose to do? It matters. It matters. I'm going to lead us in prayer and then we're going to give you a chance to fill out a card while we sing a song and then uh, we're going to sing another song and take up those cards in our contribution and God bless you as you face whatever disappointments you're facing, that God bless you with His presence, that you'll be so aware that He is there trying to turn something it's so hard into something so good. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this morning. Lord, thank You for um, the story of Joseph. I've heard it a thousand times. Read it so many times, Father, upside down and sideways. And Father, it just reminds me, you know, setbacks remind me of how broken the world is, how people will fail me. You won't, but people will. Life has its knocks, has its painful moments, has its disappointments. And Lord, I pray that, that as we're facing these disappointments, that it not lead us to, 
to disobedience, but lead us to devotion to you. Help us incorporate the character of Joseph, who really, before your son appeared, showed the character of Jesus. Help us see that there was a time when our sin, that we were involved in betraying Jesus, in selling him out, in forgetting him, and doing away with the dreamer. And Father, you, you used your son. He stayed faithful and true, said no to temptation. And Father, he, he was killed and raised right up and set right next to you, like Joseph next to Pharaoh. And he draws us from the barren, from the famine, from the emptiness of life. You've drawn us to him to find forgiveness, salvation, and purpose. Father, let our lives display, like Joseph, the kind of life that can save others, that will lead others to your salvation. Father, I I just think of um, so much stuff happening right now. A lot of pain going on right now. I think of Scarlett, Father. I think of Brittany. Father, we pray that you'll work that you work powerfully, that you take care of the Springer family, Father. Hold them tight right now. And Father, for the rest of us here, some of us here have got similar things going on, some struggles, some hard things going on we're facing. Help us not be afraid to know you're with us. You'll carry us through them. And Father, help us not be bitter, but better because of, of these setbacks. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.